Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of being able to be together today. We thank you for media that you've given to us. We thank you for the internet that you've given. And Lord, uh, we just pray that you would help us today to learn how to use it to spread the gospel, how to use it to help others and to encourage and bless them. We thank you and we pray that you would guide the whole convention and everything that's done in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, how many of you are from ministries and how many of you are from businesses? So we'll start with ministries. How many of you represent ministries here today? Okay, and how many of you represent businesses like for-profit? Okay, very good. We are so glad that both of you are here because the internet is so, so important in both of these categories. It's, it's important for us to be able to get our message out there and it's important for us also to be able to see how we can use the internet in order to, you know, we can, from a business perspective, we can spend so, so, so much money on um, web development and internet and things like that as well. And as ASI members or people that, that believe and embrace the philosophy of ASI, we want to be able to use our businesses to be able to reach out and be tools to reach out to others. And so I think that it's just so important for us to know how we can use the resources. Now, you know, in a seminar, it's so difficult to be able to condense um, things that we could say about the Internet and online um, the, the world of websites and online and development and all this because it's just so huge. And beyond that, another big challenge is that it's changing so fast that there's no way that anybody can keep up with it. I mean, you could spend just all day, every day, just trying to follow what's happening and you still would only have a little tip of what's happening. I mean, it's just so huge. And, you know, I'm not the youngest guy out there either. Um, I'm not the oldest either. But already um, in our ministry, I'm from Better Living Ministry, which is based out of Quebec, Canada. And um, we, we do media training, which involves, like, training young people how to do video productions and, um, like, audio, radio, television programming, as well as website development and how to... Um, Everything is in the context of how to use it in ministry. So we, we train young people for this. And it's just amazing to see, you know, what the young people, when they come in, I mean, they know things that I don't know, even though I've been working in media and, and um, website development and things for, you know, a while now. But there's still, it's just like, it's incredible. And so I think that what's really important for us is to really see how we can reach our goals and how we can really be focused on how we can use the internet for God's glory. I mean, so much time, let's face it, I mean, so much time is wasted online, so much time is, is wasted in doing things that probably aren't that important, and, and not even to talk about all of the very destructive things as well um, that are available on the internet as well. So it's, you know, it's something that we, we have to really... Um, be careful um, with it's something that is very important for us to learn how to manage and learn also how to be able to really um, harness so that we can use it for God's work. And that's just a real burden that I have is to do everything that we can to use 
the tools that God has given us to be able to spread the gospel. And, you know, part of that is to be able to find efficient ways. Part of that is to be able to find cost-effective ways, especially for ministry, but I would say not only for ministry, for business as well, because if we're running a business and we want to focus our resources, financial resources and others into you know, being able to spread the gospel, then we're going to want to be able to take advantage of it cost-effective ways as well to be able to um, harness the internet. So we're going to look at a lot of uh, different ways, simple ways, and we're also going to take time for, for, for you to share ways that you might have already used so that this can really be a networking time as well. Because I don't have all the answers. You might have some that I've never even heard of. And so that way we can also learn together by dedicating a little bit of time for that in our presentation too. So for those that just came, I'm delighted that each of you are here and we're going to get right into the topic. We've, in our ministry, we've been reading for the last few months, The Publishing Ministry by Ellen White. It's, it's a book that's really inspiring because, you know, in her day, of course, the internet didn't exist. Um, and yet it's, we see that the book, you know, the, the printed page was a way that we could use to be able to reach out to people and, and to be able to spread the word because a person talking can only talk to so many people at one time. But as, as that multiplies and as the books are distributed and she talks a lot about call porters and, and just what a wonderful thing it is. And, and she's just talking about here that the publications sent forth from printing houses are to prepare a people to meet God. So these these messages that are out there are prepared so that people can meet God. People can be ready for Christ's return. And I don't know about you, but for me, I've been just so impressed. Um, and, and the events leading up to like the GC session and, and the emphasis on prayer and all of this have just so much convicted me even deeper that we are at the end of time. We, and there's not a lot of time left and we need to be serious about what we can do to spread the gospel. And so we see here that um, th they spread th through our publications, we are to spread the word, and um, that we can see that we, we can teach with a certain sound, we can have a certainty um, by spreading the word to those around. And of course, that can be other forms of media as well, like it can be websites or video and so on. And we see here that... Um, this same message is to be given in our printing houses or through any other form of media to the world today. The message of John the Baptist, repent, it's time for the Lord to come. And of course, we know also that um, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. There's something that's very interesting about um, internet, and that is that um, we get like these viral videos or these, these things that suddenly become like, it's just like a, a wave just sweeping over the internet. And I believe that God can use these sorts of things as well to be able to get the message out. And we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to be used in order to do just that. So today we're going to be looking at how we can effectively power, harness the power of the online world to advance our mission. And we're going to talk about a few things that can help that as, as well as some very practical tips because I think this seminar is a lot more practical than it is theory because it, that's kind of what will help to guide us and help to know what we can do. Um, now, so let's kind of jump into some of this. Um, 
how many of you have a website? Okay, for your business organization ministry. Um, these days, I think pretty much everybody has a website. It's something that's very, very important. But there's a lot of factors con to consider that are important. One of them being, especially if, if we're trying to reach um, the world with our message, is that it's very important for us right on our website very prominently to have a mission statement, or maybe in the business world it can be like about us. It doesn't have to be too much of a, if it's not a, like a, a charity or a ministry, then we can use uh, other methods as well. Uh, we can use a, about us that's a little bit less of, uh, sounds a little bit less nonprofit. Um, but it needs to be concise and precise. It needs to be something that's not too long because anybody online today is in a big hurry. Uh, unfortunately, it's part of our society. I wish it weren't, and I wish I wasn't in such a hurry all the time either, but it does seem like it is a plague in our society today. And so it needs to be concise, and we need to be able to understand um, what the mission is all about or what our purpose is rather quickly. Now, it's also very important for the, the look and feel of our website to match that mission. So what I would like to suggest is that the mission is like the central theme of what your website is. So it should be very easy to find. It doesn't mean it's on your homepage necessarily, but it should be very, very easy to find. And what your website looks like should agree with that as well. And so if you're talking about something that's serious, you're not going to want to have colors that are, you know, super bright and, and don't sound serious. If you're, you know, depending on what you're looking at, you want to have something that agrees. And then um, another thing that I think is often challenging for ministries and perhaps businesses as well is that we have to find what makes us unique as an organization. And a lot of times... Or um, ministries are doing similar things. So it's a challenge sometimes to find out what makes us unique. But it is important. I think that both sides are extremely important. How we can learn to collaborate together with, with sister ministries or, or with businesses in the business world, we think of them as competitors. But if we can find out ways that we can collaborate, especially in, in the ministry world, I really have a burden for us to get rid of this mindset of competition. And Unfortunately, I would say it's probably more present in the media world than it is in other areas of ministry. And so it's, it's very unfortunate, but for some reason, it, it, there, there's kind of this competitive feeling that, that comes up sometimes, and when we tend to sometimes not collaborate, I think, as much as we could. And I don't mean that in any critical way. I just am saying I have a burden for us to see what we can do in order to collaborate more. So we want to see what's making us unique, but we also want to see how we can collaborate with others. Now, we're going to talk about some very practical things here, um, and I've just put kind of some key words here, and you're welcome to take them down. Um, if you Google any of these words, you'll get all the information you want to know, um, and so I'm not going to like give you all that, but I'm just going to try to present some of the things that are um, important. So basically, we're talking about um, websites and development and how to get your message out there, and so 
we're, today we're going to look at two different categories. Okay, so the first category is right here, and it's online website solutions. These are probably the easiest to use as far as somebody that doesn't know anything about websites to be able to design their own website. So they, there's pros and there's cons, and we'll talk about them a little bit. But basically, any of these solutions, they're, they're online. They're not free. These solutions are not free. I'm going to be showing you some free solutions later. They usually run between $5, $20, maybe $30 a month, depending on which solution and which plan. There's different plans that are available. But basically what you do is you manage everything directly online and you choose, it's all based on like templates and so on that you can um, choose. And some of them are more limited than others. And so one of the disadvantages of that is that if you choose a template, then you're going to look like other websites out there. That's an important thing to be aware of in your decision-making process. So if you choose a template, you just rest assured you're not the only one that's using that template. And if you choose a really popular one, there's, you know, there's, there's others out there that are using that as well. And so if you really want to create a very clear identity, you might want to consider going with something that's more customized. And a lot of these online solutions don't offer like as much customization as some of the open source solutions that we'll talk about pretty soon. But the advantages of this is that it's very, very easy. So somebody that doesn't have any kind of web knowledge at all, if you can um, type up a Microsoft Word document, then it's a little bit of a learning curve, but you can figure it out. There's a lot of good tutorials as well, video tutorials that can help you to know how to create um, a website. Now, we're going to talk about some of the factors of what's really important to consider as far as details. We're not right now because we're just talking about the different options of platforms. And of course, this is not by any means an exhaustive list. You, you can Google search and find a lot, lot more, but these are some of the ones that are pretty popular and, and fairly easy to use. I know people that are using these different solutions, although for, for myself, it's not what I would recommend because of the fact that um, I like to have more control over what I want to be able to do on it. And, and we're going to talk about that. But the big, big plus here is that if you don't know anything about websites or development, um, and your website is pretty simple. I, I need to say that. If it's pretty simple, not too complicated, it's a good place to start. And the other advantage is that you don't have to think about hosting or anything like that. Okay? So what that means is that you pay for the service, and with the service you get both the hosting, so the place where your website is um, published, if maybe another way of saying it, and, um, and you get the service as well to how you can manage it. And so everything's all in one, and so it makes it a little bit simpler from that perspective. Now, we're going to talk about another category of platforms, and then we're going to go more into detail about different things that are important to know. Now, I'll just say that it's kind of challenging also to present this kind of seminar because of the fact that people are at all different levels, so it's really hard to kind of know where to get in the middle so it, you know, it's not too boring for those that maybe don't get into all the tech detail and then it's not too simple for those that want a little more. So, so I'm kind of walking a tightrope that's not, not real easy. But as we get into some of the questions and answers, hopefully we'll be able to address more specific things. 
Now, this, this just blows me away here, and WordPress gets a lot of bad rap, um, but a lot of good stuff as well. Um, but WordPress is, nobody can refute the fact that it is the most popular platform out there, period. I mean, here's some statistics that there's 74.6 million sites that depend on WordPress, and 22% of registered domains in the US run WordPress. I mean, that's just huge, 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 huge for one platform. So, you know, it's a lot of the criticism that WordPress gets is has to do with two areas. One is that it's criticized because of security, and the other is that it's criticized because developers don't like it too much. Okay, so those that are developing plugins and so on, they find that it's not a very friendly platform, although it doesn't stop developers because there's more developers for WordPress than there is for any other platform out there. But they don't, it's not very developer friendly. Um, however, there are a couple of other options as well. Now, I should probably explain what open source is because I'm not sure that everybody knows what it is. Maybe, uh, let me ask for a show of hands. Now, don't be embarrassed if you don't know, but just to get, for me to get kind of a feel, how many of you know what open source means? Okay, good, so that's, that, that gives me a very good idea. So I'll take just a little bit of time to explain it. As you know, the world is connected today, isn't it? You know, through Facebook, unfortunately, we won't go into whether we're really connected or not or whether we're really social or not, because that's, not <laughs> that's not the topic of today's uh, seminar. But we are connected, I mean, in the, in the sense that, you know, we have, I don't know how many people at our fingertips at any time that we can just send a message to and, and so on. So, so we're very connected. And so open source is basically what it is, is it's, it's communities that join. Well, it's based on a platform. Like I would say that open source is kind of the equivalent of the nonprofit in the organizational world. Okay, nonprofit versus for-profit. Open source is kind of like, and many of them are nonprofit organizations as well. Like, how many of you have ever heard of Firefox? It's a browser. So, Firefox is um, a nonprofit organization, and, and they fund um, their development through donations, and I'm not sure all the different methods that they use, but it is a nonprofit organization. And so, open source basically means that you give, everybody has access to the way this platform is built. And so as the community grows, then they see those, they, they have all access to the way it's all built, and they can add things to it. And so basically what it is is a community of people that are working together. They're f developing for the open source platform is like, it's, we could say they're kind of volunteering for it, but a lot of times they're hired to do it, but the platform is not paying them to do it. And then they can, everybody can share what they call plugins. And in my opinion, the reason that I recommend WordPress as being the best platform if you're ab above, if you're ready for something that's more complicated than just the self-hosted that you're doing yourself, I recommend WordPress because of the fact that it has thousands and thousands of plugins available from its community. It has more plugins available than any other content management software out there. And so for that reason, you can make it do anything you want to do. 
So it's not so much that WordPress itself is, is so great, although it does a lot, but it's because it's so adaptable because the community that supports it is so huge. And so that really makes it um, be something that doesn't work for everybody. So, I mean, I can't stand here and say, well, this is definitely your solution. But I found that for a lot of ministries, it is a very good solution because of the adaptability. And, the, and, the, and another thing that I should say, because, of course, cost is always important, and that's what we say we're going to look at is cost-effective ways to develop um, our online um, websites and so on, is that um, these, uh, the platforms are completely free. Okay, there's no cost whatsoever for open source software. It's, it's licensed under, op if it's licensed under open source, you cannot um, s sell the product. Now, you can sell products, um, uh, plugins is what I meant. You can sell plugins for, <coughs> for, the, um, for the platform, but it's always free, Okay. And um, then these other platforms, it would be good for us to talk about them a little bit because Joomla is, is something that's kind of designed for e-commerce and so it kind of has a niche, although WordPress does it. it WordPress actually doesn't do e-commerce out of the box, but as I said, because the plugins are so strong, you can definitely do it. Um, and there's a couple of plugins that are like really, they really dominate the e-commerce um, plug-in platform. Even though you have options, it's pretty easy to choose because of the fact WooCommerce is really the most popular one um, out there. Um, but then Drupal is, is probably the most difficult one, so it takes a little bit more technical knowledge, but it's also like the most powerful. De developers love it because you can just make it do anything you want it to do um, but I would say, in, in general, it's probably a little bit more costly to develop for it um, than, than the others. So I think I'm going to stop here before we get into the details and take some time for some questions. I think it'll be more effective if we take a couple of segments for questions on the topics rather than just a whole thing at the end. So does anybody have any questions on what we covered as far as platforms, the differences, and so on? Yes, in the back. Okay. Well, let me tell you how ASI uses plugins um, in, in our organization for WordPress. Our main site is not hosted on WordPress, okay? We're hosted on NetAdventist for our main site for ASI, which is a platform developed um, for Adventist organizations, okay? However, there's, um, there are parts that can't be supported by NetAdventist, and so we have a part of our features that are hosted through WordPress. So I'm going to tell you some of the things that we do because that's an excellent, excellent question. We use a plugin called Formidable. Formidable is primarily designed to collect form information for people that fill out forms. So like if you volunteer, um, if you, uh, any kind of form that you have to fill out on the ASI website is using a WordPress plugin called Formidable. But the beauty of this plugin is that it not only collects information, but you don't have to collect information through forms. You can import it as well. 
So what that means is, for example, exhibitors, like all the exhibitors that we have, exhibitors can choose where they want. They can, they can make a request and then they get assigned. As they get assigned, they, they get um, published automatically on the website. The exhibitor coordinator can enter that information and it's instantly published. But because it's like a, it's database driven rather than text based, like how many of you know like Excel versus Word? Okay, so Word, you type your text in there and you have a document, right? Whereas Excel, it's all like in spreadsheets and you've got columns and you have rows. So you can kind of think of like exhibitors would be more like columns and rows, right? Because it's not really a lot of text, it's just the name of the organization, the um, the booth number you're in, and so on. It's pretty simple as a concept. However, because it's, it's entered um, in, a, in a database type format, then we can take that information and we can publish it to our, our ASI Ministries convention app. I don't know how many of you have that installed, but you can look at the exhibitors or anything else for that matter in that app, but that information can also be, also be taken and published on the website. And it's exactly the same information that's used everywhere. So if you need to update it, you update in one place and it, it's done everywhere. So that Formidable is a very powerful plugin. I would never, ever install WordPress without using Formidable. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just awesome. Then there's other things too, like for example, um, you can use e-commerce. So e-commerce, it, it would be like a plugin that you could use. Security plugins, highly recommended, especially if you're using WordPress, because although, you know, I don't think, I wouldn't consider WordPress to really be insecure. I'm not a security specialist, because, I mean, you could go to school for, you know, I don't know how long to, to really learn a lot about security. So I, I should definitely say that. But what I would say is one of the, diff, one of the things about WordPress is that it's so, 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 so popular that, you know, people do attack it because it's so big. Like, you know, Microsoft, it used to be they would get, it would get attacked a lot more than, you know, Mac, you know, and so we didn't even install any virus protection on Mac, you know, and now, now we're doing it more. So it's kind of that same kind of scenario. But I would definitely always recommend a security plugin. It'll, it'll keep track of the logins. It'll do things that's needed in order to make sure there's no attack. Um, and so that, that's something. Um, and then there, there's a lot of different um, plugins as well that could be used for different uh, reasons. For example, if you want to have like a, a slide or a presentation or something like that, um, where you can, there, there's just lots and lots of different things. But Formidable, I mean, it does so much that it's amazing. Like all of, I don't know how many of you seen the new beginnings. I'll just say about this one page as well, and then we'll move on to another question. But the new beginnings now, we've put it all online where there's 25 plus languages. You can download all of the files right there. We, we made um, ISO files of the DVDs so you can download them and you can um, burn them on a DVD if you want to present them on DVD or those that are available in PowerPoint and so on, then those are available as well. So all of that is all driven as well um, by Formidable. And, and so you can, you can download all that information and it's like, it's over 200 gigabytes of uh, information that's available and it's all can be, then, then that information all can, also can be fed to the evangelism app and, and so on. So those are some practical things. Uh, any other questions in, on these platform areas? No questions? <laughs> okay. Okay, well, let's move on then. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is just one thing that I couldn't resist sharing. I, 
I don't know how useful it will be to me, but it's a neat concept. And um, a friend showed this to me recently. Basically, it's a new company called The Grid. If you go to The Grid IO, it's actually not fully launched yet. So I'm just going to take a couple minutes because it's just the concept that's like, wow. Um, and so basically, it's a cloud-based artificial intelligence that um, like it can, you just tell it basically what kind of website you want and it'll, it can like create it for you. Or you can say, oh, make it more like this and it like hears what you say and then it like makes it more. But you have like no real like coding control over it, but it just through artificial intelligence figures out what you want and it just makes it look like you want it to look. And so it's just a neat idea um, and I couldn't resist kind of throwing it out there just for you guys to be aware of. They raised like a ton of money in their um, fundraiser to get it off the ground. It's not like, it's not really launched yet, but it's an interesting story to follow and see where it goes. Like I said, everything's changing so fast that, um, you know, who knows? And it's hard to be the top guy too because somebody's always gonna come and take it from you. So <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about social media. Um, now I'm not a social media specialist, but Social media is very important when it comes to getting our, our message out there. It's very important. And I think that there's some misconceptions about social media as well, because a lot of times what we do is like, we'll try to get out the message that we want to be out there. Okay, we will think in terms of what do I want to communicate with the world or, or with our fans. Okay. But a phenomenon in social media that's really important to understand is that it's very important to think of in terms of what your fans want. Okay, I know that sounds a little strange, but it's really, really important. You have to think what do they want. And so basically the, the, the ratio that, that I would recommend is that it, you try to put about 80% of information out there that they're wanting, that is helpful for them, that they feel is worthwhile, and 20% of the information of the things that you're trying to um, communicate with them that they aren't necessarily you know, most interested in, but it, it's, it's the part that you really want to get through. Examples of that could be, for example, um, say that you created something for that could be really useful for people like say you created an e-card or something like that where people can use it and they can send it out to their friends or something like that and yet it has like a message on there that could be communicated but because it's something that's useful for them and something that I mean everybody sends e-cards anyway right I mean I don't know if everybody does but I do you know you so you send out <coughs> e-cards. I don't know if we have any water close by. Um, sometime I, it would be much appreciated if, thank you, I appreciate that. It's dry out here in Washington, isn't it? I'm back, back east. We're used to a lot more humidity. <laughs> so um, something like that could be an example of uh, something that we could use. So trying to think of ter in terms of what kind of things can be useful to my fans or to my friends, um, then that helps to build the people that are interested, but it also helps to, they have the feeling that, yes, I'm interested, I'm going to go back more often because it's something that, that somehow is a benefit to me. Because if we just keep posting every time as ministries, 
you know, donate here, donate there. I mean, that's not going to work to, to be able to build. And, and in any case, I think even though we are ministries and we do need funds, we should think in terms of what can we offer. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. So that is something that's very important. Now, um, I'm not going to go in depth of each of the platforms, but I think we, we kind of understand that Twitter is basically short messages that we're getting out there through tweets and something that's very useful, but it's, it, it depends. Some people like it. Some people are, are not much of a fan of it. But as a ministry, I would say that um, these, these four are still... Um, social media that we should really consider. We should really consider being on all of these four. Um, it doesn't mean we have to be. I would say Facebook and Twitter are definitely the most important. But um, LinkedIn is something I'll speak about for just a moment because it's more kind of a professional network. And so it's kind of like, in a way, kind of the ASI philosophy where we can we can share on a professional level and we can support, uh, we can get services from each other, we can um, benefit each other, we can let people know what we can offer them and so on. And so that's something that's interesting. I'm going to talk about Hootsuite because, again, we're trying to keep this really, really pop, uh, really, really practical. Thank you so much. So Hootsuite, and there's others as well, is basically a software that will post to all of your social media for you. So you can imagine that if you have to manage Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and, and all these, so then you're going to log in, you know, either every day or a couple times a week or however often you want to post and you have to go and you have to organize all this. It can take a lot of time to have to do all of that. And so that's why there's features like Hootsuite that can basically, and there's others as well, that can post to all of your social media for you. You can also schedule them. So, because it is important not to just post everything at the same time, because over a period of time is, is where you increase your traffic and where more people are going to be interested. And also, it, it creates a presence that is more constant, which is important. So, one of the advantages there is that you can decide when you want to have it published. And if you're really organized, you might be able to, you know, get in a whole two weeks of things programmed in advance or even more if you know what things you want to publish. And then that way, it's more on autopilot, and, and it saves a lot of time. It's so, so practical. I mean, a lot of ministries, one of the big challenges that we face is that we have so many responsibilities and so many things we have to manage that it becomes very overwhelming. And so little things like this that can help us to manage it better and to help us to be able to, to really um, be able to organize it and then kind of forget about it until we have to come back to it is is so so practical so the hootsuite's the one that i've used the most but um I, again i encourage you to to search for other similar products if there's another one that can meet your needs better do we have any questions yes Oh, good. Anyway, <laughs> my question is, is, how do you figure out what the, 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 you said 80% should be what your audience wants. How do you figure out? Well, I think anything that in some way can, can benefit them, 
I think that that, that can fit in that category. I think my example of like um, e-cards versus you know asking people to give money kind of helps us to kind of see the, the difference between the two things that anything that, that we feel like can be a service to them, I think can be a benefit. Um, anything that, um, it, it's true that it's important for us to also understand the demographics of, of who our people are. And there, I've spoken to some people that are really, really good at all those statistics and find, being able to find out all that information. That's not my specialty and I don't know as much about that. But I think that um, anything that we can use that can really be something that can be useful for the person, I think can fit into that category. Yeah, so it's benefiting them rather than benefiting me. Think in those terms, and I think we'll, we'll be able to come up with something that, that can help. Yes, another one. I know you don't want to drill down too far, but we recently have been trialing Facebook advertising. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a good question for Facebook. I'm definitely not an authority on that. I know a little bit about more about YouTube and paid for for YouTube and so on. Um, but I don't. What, what specifically is your question? You're wondering how effective that is, or? Well, we can track click throughs. Right. Right. But it actually, what's happened? It's only appeared in front of them. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah. I, I just wonder how do you put a value on Yeah. Uh, is it an effective <laughs> Personally, I don't put very much of a high value on Facebook ads as an advertiser because I don't. Uh, but again, I speak not from some authoritative perspective of knowing all the stats on it, but I don't think that it's a very effective way to really um, get a message out there. Um, I'm going to recommend some other ways that are available to nonprofits that, that I think um, are more effective, and furthermore, they're also free, because that's what we're looking for, is how can we try to really you know, cut our costs in advertising. Um, I would put it in this perspective, and this is certainly not um, uh, some sort of scientific, but when is the last time that you clicked on a Facebook ad to go to something that you're interested in? You know, and, and to me, I guess that kind of, it, it's kind of a turnoff for, for me wanting to invest dollars in advertising specifically um, on Facebook. Now, Facebook can be used in in connecting with people and building fans, if we will, you know, that's a funny word, but you know, building fans. But I, I personally wouldn't really recommend um, actually advertising. Yes? With advertising, you're always looking for the return on investment. So with Facebook, um, when you just get the statistics for views, it's kind of like public relations. Yeah. You, know, you don't have anything tangible or actionable. Yeah. What you want to look at are the metrics where somebody's actually doing something um, that, that, that you can track and that's meaningful. For example, I sell software, um, and so if uh, I sell ads on Facebook for people to download my software uh, and they download it, that's pretty good uh, return on my investment. Um, mm -hmm. Just advertising just to get my name out there and I don't see anybody clicking uh, to download, it might not be a good investment for me. Thank you so much. That's a very good comment. Any other questions or comments? Yes. I had a question kind of 
first gentleman's question, and that is you're talking about putting content um, for people, for the fans, of what they want. How close of a relationship is that content to what your ministry that's a really good question. And I definitely think there should be a very close relationship because after all, you're building fans on people that are interested in your field. So if it's, if it's media, for example, or like in our case where we're doing media training, well, then we could maybe offer tutorials on how to do this certain thing in media or how do you, what's a quick tip for how to um, build this thing on a website or it's because these are, that's the kind of things that people are interested in our field. So, I mean, that's just such a good question because it's so important for there to be a connection between what you're offering them and what kind of services you offer, what kind of messages you want to communicate. So in our case, maybe getting out the word that um, there's a training program. Are you interested in learning more? So that would be like a message from us that we're getting out to them, but it's related to the other kinds of things that we're offering them as well, maybe in some free little tips or something like that that kind of connects. Yes? I understand what you're saying. We find sponsors for children, so we're directly fundraising. So what kind of content or freebies can I offer someone when I'm basically looking for donors to sponsor? <laughs> yeah. I honestly can't wrap my head around this. I understand. Sure. Principle, but ideas I'm having a little bit more difficulty. Yeah, and, and it's true. Um, okay. okay, that's good. Yeah, and I think it's something that we have to take time to to think about and to analyze because ideas sometimes take a while to come to us. And, and it's really different also for depending which field we're in. So we have to really kind of focus on it from, from our perspective. And first of all, what's my goal? And then what could I offer that, um, that fits into my mission and what I'm trying to accomplish? And, and I'd be happy to even think of some of those things and we could dialogue later. But you know, I, I, not necessarily there's something that comes to my mind right now, you should do this. Maybe somebody else has some other suggestions. Right, yes, yes, very true, very true. Uh, anything else before we move on? Okay, so one of, one of the important things um, that we use today besides social media is email marketing. Um, it's very important for us to use email marketing because it is a way that connects with a broader spectrum of people than just social media. Um, I'm actually not much of a social media fan myself, even though um, I have like a ton of friends on Facebook, I never really spend time on Facebook. Whereas email is something that covers a larger um, age group as well. You know, pretty much everybody has email. I know our, our inboxes are f flooded and you know, it's a challenging way. It's not as good as like, actually sending a card. I like that comment about the card. I'd always rather get a card in the mail than an e-card. <laughs> you know, but it is still a, an effective method that's more effective than um, social, well, it has a broader spectrum than social media, let's put it that way. Um, there's a few resources that I'd like to suggest um, for um, email marketing. And the reason that I put vertical response on the top, it, this is a, you, if you Google vertical re response, you'll find it, but it's not um, the most popular email marketing software out there, but they're very friendly toward nonprofits. And so nonprofits, they'll actually give you unlimited contacts and 10,000 free 
emails per month. So depending on how large your organization is, uh, it can be a lot, lot more interesting than like MailChimp, for example, which is the monster of email marketing. I mean, MailChimp is probably, I don't have statistics because I didn't look them up, but of course they're available for anybody to see. But it's still, it's definitely the strongest one out there. MailChimp is very, very interesting for for-profits because, or non-profits, but for smaller, smaller lists because you pay directly according to how many contacts you have in your list. So if you were to like, say for example, you wanted to send out 10,000 emails per month and you have a contact list of 10,000, so you're just doing it once a month because that's another thing. It's, it's really important not to send out your messages too often because you get a lot more unsubscribes if you send them off, out too often. Um, but, you know, depending on what you're sending can kind of dictate a little bit how often. I mean, I would say as a general rule, you wouldn't want to send out things more than every two weeks or something like that. Um, if it's really short little messages, you might be able to do it more often. But let's just say, for example, that you have 10,000 people in your database, and so you want to send out one message per month. You can do it absolutely free with vertical response. Or if you only have 5,000 and you want to send out twice a month, then you can do it as well. Okay. Um, then Constant Contact, that's another service as well. I think it used to be quite popular. I'm not sure how popular it is now. Um, MailChimp has really taken a lot of, a lot of that. Um, MailChimp, some of the advantages there is that if you want to send out messages really often, there, you, it's unlimited how many messages you can send out. All the price is based on is the number of contacts. So... Um, for example, the, I noticed that um, the General Conference Ministerial Department is, they, I don't know how many of you are subscribed to um, the, the daily Bible reading. Are you familiar with that? You can read through the whole Bible. I think it's over a three-year period. Five-year, five okay. Yes, that's right. Believe his prophets. That's right. Well, I was interested to see that they're using MailChimp for that. If you click on the link, you see it right there. But they're sending out messages every single day to a certain amount of contacts. So probably that was the best deal for them because they're sending out messages every day. And so they pay less because it's based on the number of contacts rather than number of emails. So you have to look at those differences in order to see um, which one is best for you. But for vertical response, you, need, you have to apply for um, the nonprofit account in order to get it free. So you have to go through a process of providing your 501c3 documentation or equivalent. If you're in another country, um, they will honor um, documentation from your country. I'm not sure if, how many countries they support. I'm in Canada. They definitely support Canada. They probably support other countries as well. So video. Video is extremely important. Maybe before I jump into this, I should just see if there's any question about email marketing. As I said, it's, I prefer to kind of take the questions topic by topic. Is there anything that we need to talk about for email marketing, questions you may have? Uh, yeah, we can talk a little bit about that. So um, the, the, the best way to do it that's the most, um, should I say, ethical or the most, that will have the, most, the least complaints is through um, 
like your website, but how about offering them something to sign up for your list? So you're encouraging them more rather than just say sign up, maybe offer them something free if they sign up, offer them different specials if they sign up. Um, it, 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 your, your question is so good because of the fact that Email, email marketing is rather challenging because if you get, if you end up adding like a whole bunch of people to your list that aren't interested and you start getting complaints, it will affect your delivery rates. There's no question about it. And you can even get problems with your provider if, if, you, if they go up too high as far as the complaints are concerned. Um, with these features, you can... There are tools that you can export contacts from your email, whatever it might be, that whatever software you're using, you can export them from your contacts and you can import them. Um, so you can build your list that way, but you just have to be more careful. Um, you should never ever, and really you can't, you can't do it with these providers anyway, but you should never ever send out mass emails without an unsubscribe link. In fact, um, in Canada recently, they passed legislation that required organizations to, as, a certain, as of a certain date, all organizations had to resubscribe every single um, subscriber on their lists. So uh, sm small companies, <laughs> we didn't do it. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh, shouldn't have said that. Uh, but, it, but all the big companies all did it. You know, it's just that it, for us, it would have been really complicated to, to do all that, and it would have you know, had a big impact. But that was what the legislation said needed to be done. And so it is something you have to be really careful um, so I would, the, the best way really to build it is, you know, use all your avenues, use social media, use your website, use everything, but offer something. Um, and then another way that you can do it is if you're selling products, is an easy and ethical way to do it is to simply have it by default that they subscribe to your list when they purchase products, but you have to disclose that, okay? So you disclose that, and then... Um, that way, by default, they get subscribed, but of course, they can always unsubscribe. So that builds your list a lot faster than if you do it the other way around, where um, you know you have to, they have to click on the button in order to subscribe. A lot, a lot more effective. Other ways is that, for example, if you're offering down, things for download, uh, you can make it required for them to submit an email address before, and then a little disclosure there about subscribing. Um, so those are different ways that you can use um, to build. Does anybody else have some suggestions? Yes? All on that same topic, though, most of those email providers uh, will want a double opt-in um, and not just the list that you upload to them. Um, yeah, that is, um, I know vertical response does not require do double opt-in. Well, they do require double opt-in from a website, but not from importing a list. Okay, but if you actually subscribe, I think you can turn that feature off. But it's true that double opt-in is, is very popular. And, and it's also, I would recommend it in, because of the fact that you guarantee that that email address is a good one. And if you send to bad email addresses too much and get too many bounces, that can affect your delivery as well. So, so there are things to consider. And any other comments on that? And I need to be watching the time to make sure we cover everything. We, is it 12 that we finish at 12? Is that right? Okay. Okay, good. 25 more minutes. 
So um, any other questions or comments on that? Okay, so we're going to talk about online video and some of the things um, that are important and some of the things that are trendy. Um, first of all, I just want to say that there's different providers, and we have an ASI member that uh, provides um, video services, Three Angels Tube. Um, he's actually here with us, and so if you have content that you're interested in, in putting up on a service similar to YouTube, um, you can use them among others. Um, of course, YouTube is, is the biggest one out there. They're, they're huge and, and it's free. You can put all of your things up there. But, um, and Vimeo is another suggestion as well. Basically, some of the differences between like YouTube and Vimeo is that um, YouTube, as you know very well, you get ads a lot more. Whereas Vimeo, you pay for the service, but it's not very expensive and you never have any ads. It's used by a lot of like video professionals. Like there's a lot of um, content up there that's, that's more kind of like amateurs and so on. That it, it, It's just kind of a different niche, but it's a good place. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen the Gracelink videos for kids. It's the Sabbath school videos, those are all on Vimeo. I think they might be on YouTube as well. Well, I think they're officially on Vimeo. I don't know that they're officially on YouTube. And, and there's other um, channels as well. You can have your own channels. ASI um, videos are also on both YouTube and Vimeo. But something that's really important if you're thinking about creating content and creating video is that today it's really popular to have things that are really short. And you might already know this, but there's a phenomenon where, you know, wh what, what people try to do today is create short videos, but videos that you want to watch more of them. And so it keeps the, the, the viewer more um, in touch when they have to keep clicking on the next in order to get where you're going. Now, maybe I'm just a little bit too old to, to like to do that because we're kind of more used to the longer time period. But um, it, that is a phenomenon, something that we really have to think about, especially for the younger generation, is that the attention span is getting shorter and shorter, and we got to click on the next one. So if you're thinking about like some sort of um, video or something promotional for your website, it's very important to think in terms of how you can keep it short and, and maybe multiple rather than something that's really long. Um, another thing that is interesting about YouTube that I definitely want to mention that, that, is, that is very interesting from um, a promotional standpoint is that is that you can advertise to a local area as well. So you don't have, if you decide to pay for advertising on YouTube, you don't have to just do it everywhere. You can choose like a local area and you can advertise just there. So this can be very interesting if you're doing like um, an evangelistic crusade or you're, you're trying to target a certain area in order to get, a, get the word out, then I definitely recommend the possibility of being able to use that feature to reach out um, to, to a, a targeted area. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, maybe just a couple of other things on video. Um, it's important for these days, it's very important for things to be real to life. People don't seem to, it doesn't seem to be 
as popular for things that are really necessarily, uh, it should be polished, but it, it, it can be something that's very real. I think it attracts people a lot more. Um, and also, if you're going to put a video online, on the other hand, it's important for it to be something that's professional and representative because even though today it's super popular to just put anything you want up, I still think that as an organization, it's very important to put something that is representative of the organization that's professional. It can have a, a young and fresh look, but it's important to, to talk to somebody that, um, that specializes in that area because um, it's, it's, otherwise you might get something that you're not satisfied with or doesn't well, represent you well. Now, here's a few things to consider that's a little bit more technical. And as I mentioned, um, it's, it's sometimes challenging to kind of balance that. But there are some things that are happening in our world as it changes that are things that we definitely have to think about. Um, one of them is that security is more and more important to people. How many of you know what the HTTPS stands for, or not stands for, but what it does, what it is. Okay, so when you see the HTTPS, that means that it's a secure site that uses a secure certificate in order to encrypt all of the data that transfers between the end user's computer and the server. So basically, That means that all of the information is protected so that if you're entering, like, for example, email addresses or certainly if you're entering credit card numbers or things like that that are of a sensitive nature, it always has to travel through that encryption. However, it's becoming more and more the industry standard for your entire website to be secured. Okay, and so I would highly recommend anybody that is interested in moving in that direction to check into how you can have a secure certificate that is installed on your entire site. So anytime you go there, you've got the HTTPS. And then one other thing to consider is that if you get um, a higher level certificate, your name can even be written on there. And so the browser will show what name that is as a little bit more of an identity um, so, you, so people feel more secure about that. Google is actually kind of changing some of the way that they're ranking people as well to where they are prioritizing those that have SSLs installed on their entire site. So this is one thing that I've been encouraging ASI to do as well, because our entire site is not on SSL. But any site that I would ever build, it's, there's some technical difficulties with that, and that's one reason. But um, any site that I, I would build or that my organization would build today would always be SSL, because it's very, very important to consider. Um, however, with SSL, something that's important to understand is that Normally, it requires a dedicated IP address. A dedicated IP address is where you connect to an exact um, address in order to go to the server. And so that's unique for your particular website. 
but because of the push toward um, SSL security and the importance of that, now all modern browsers are beginning to support, um, are, are beginning to not require IP addresses in order to run SSLs. And so I know this is a little bit technical, but it's important for you to know because um, if you are gonna run an SSL, if you're gonna get an IP address, you'll be able to be more compatible with all browsers, including old ones. If you don't want to pay the money for it to get an I, a dedicated IP address, then um, just be aware that you will be compatible with pretty much all new browsers, but old browsers may have issues in not recognizing that because there'll be more than one site using that IP address. So it's just something to, to be aware of and to consider. Um, but I would definitely recommend SSL because more and more people know what it means and more and more people, they'll feel more secure, you know, entering information on your website if they know, like for example, on the ASI website, even though the whole thing is not SSL, any form that you fill out is all on SSL. So when you go to fill out a form, even if you're not putting sensitive information, you know that that's on SSL and you can see it right up there. And so we, we've covered the basis, even though technicalities make it a little bit hard for us to do that for the entire site. Um, now, um, another thing that is really, really important these days is that websites have to be mobile friendly. Um, it used to be, you know how when you look at a website on your phone and you can't read it, you have to zoom in in order to be able to read it because the text is so small and it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not responsive in order to fit onto your, your mobile device. Well, there's still a fair number of websites out there and if you have a website like that, you really need to consider having it updated to be mobile friendly because more and more people are looking at both their email as well as at websites on their mobile devices. And again, here, Google, uh, you know, I guess they just think they're so big they can just control where we go with everything. But again, they are ranking um, sites that are responsive or mobile friendly. They're ranking them higher. Well, I don't think it's quite yet, but they announced that they're going to be ranking them higher. Um, and so that's another reason. I, I think it's just a push to try to get us to, to come up because people were adopting um, mobile it's really called responsive because what responsive means is that when it's on a large screen, it will be larger. And then when it's on a small screen, the design will change to where it looks, um, it's still readable and looks good on a mobile device. So if you're considering having somebody like develop a website for you, that's like one of the, these, these are all like things you, you have to make sure that they know how to do and that they will be included in that. Um, now, another thing is that a lot of times, like say for example, we decided to go with um, one of the open source um, solution like um, WordPress, for example. Well, WordPress, although they have like their own like blogging platform where you can get just a WordPress account and you can manage it there, I don't really recommend that because they don't open it up to all the plugins that you can do and there's not as much flexibility. And so what that means is that you're going to have to have um, a, a web host or a, a service provider in order to 
um, host your site. Okay, so there's another level involved if you're going to do that. And so if you're going to do that, it's really, really important to choose somebody that um, is going to give you very fast service. If the servers are not going to be bogged down, they're not going to be slow. And on most fast um, connections today, you can see that very well yourself. If you go repetitively to the site and it takes a long time to load, you want to consider going somewhere else. Um, ASI recently upgraded and switched service providers. We saw at least twice, it was at least twice as fast as it was before with a simple, um, is exactly the same thing running. Even the same resources were quoted by the company. I mean, the company was, was very similar resources that they were saying was allotted, but a huge, huge difference in speed. So that's something that's really important to to look at um, when you're going to look for a hosting provider. And um, basically, I, th I would personally um, recommend to most ministries to try to find somebody that's knowledgeable about web development that has um, a ministry focus. This is something that I really developed a burden for because I saw the kinds of prices that developers are charging in order to build websites, in order to build mobile apps and, and all of these things. And, and prices are just so high that a lot of times ministries can't really afford to use their services in order to develop. But the problem is that what happens is that ministries often pay the price of not having somebody that's competent to, to help and guide them through the process. And so I really had a, a growing burden for this, and that's one reason why also we started training young people in this as well, because we felt like it was so important to be able to provide these kind of, these kind of services to ministries and to for-profits too, if, if their goal is to be able to spread the gospel, sharing Christ in the marketplace. Um, and so... <coughs> we started developing this as part of our curriculum for our um, media training program. So what we do in order, and, and, and it's an interesting kind of philosophy because what we actually do is we invite young people to come. It's tuition free. They don't have to pay anything to be there. They have to cover the room and board, but there's no cost whatsoever for tuition. They can come and they can learn on site. And then we have clients that um, hire us in order to develop websites for them. We train the young people how to do it for them, and we all work together. So our prices are very, very low, but what the price goes for, it goes for to train that young person to be able to have a, a skill that they can use and then bless other ministries later, whether it be in video production or in website development or audio and so on. And so this has been something that's really been a growing burden for me is how we can support um, our, our ministries. And we've had the privilege of supporting a number of them, and, and I won't start saying names of who we've had the privilege of supporting, but we've had the privilege of supporting a number of people and really helping them to be able to save a lot of money, but also at the same time to make wise decisions in this field. So 
that's something that um, if you're if you're interested and I don't want this plug to go on too long, but I'm just saying that I, I have a burden for this. And maybe there's others. If there's others, then that's wonderful too. But there's, there's a need for this sort of thing where ministries can have these resources so they can have websites developed that cost much, much less than if you would go out to a regular company to get them developed. Um, Google AdWords, this is something we definitely have to talk about before we're finished because for nonprofits, this is a really big deal. Um, you have to apply for this, but Google um, does have um, $10,000 of um, AdWords available for nonprofits. Basically, what that means is that if you, uh, it's, it's through the Google Grant system, and if you apply for it, you can be listed in where the ads are listed on Google. So either, um, you know, on the side or on the top, there's ads. Um, I, I feel like that's um, a lot more effective way of advertising than like Facebook, for example, because of the fact that it's, it's very much geared toward your search and what you're looking for. And you're already, that's, that's the, the mindset that you're in is, okay, I'm going to go find this information or find that information. And the fact that it's free also is something, of course, you have to be a 501c3, but is something that, it, that a, not a lot of ministries know about, but it's something that's very, very important to check into. I don't know exactly how strict all of it is or, or the qualifications, like, but it's something to definitely, definitely check into. Yes? So the Google, Google is making available $10,000 worth per year, period? Yeah, I mean, you have to go through an application process. And another thing is that is important to understand is that you there you can't like bid for the highest dollars either. There's like a limit, so you can't those um, keywords that would like cost a lot per click. You, there's a limit in how high you can get. But that's not very much. I mean, if that's ten thousand dollars per year for all the No, it's per organization. Yeah. Yeah, it's per organization. Yeah, so that's definitely something that you want to check into because it is something that is um, is available to apply for. Um, yearly or one time? That I think it's actually yearly. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, okay, okay, monthly. Okay. But not guaranteed. No. Yeah, but uh, so so it's definitely something worth looking into. That that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. <laughs> of course, it doesn't cost them anything, but uh, it's it's good. So that's definitely something to check into. Now, there's another good resource um, called freelancer.com, and I'm going to just take a couple minutes to talk about the pros and the cons of this kind of um, work. Okay. So the pros is that. Um, you can get, you can hire out jobs at a very, very low cost, very low cost. And I probably a lot of you are here because that's a need. You know, you need to find ways that you can develop um, for the web at a low cost. And so you can often get people, you can hire people that will do jobs. A lot of them are from other countries as well, but you can get people from um, North America if you want as well. And um, 
it's a huge, huge community again. So there's, you know, like millions of people that um, will bid on a job that you place. So the, a big, big advantage is that you can get people that are very competent and that will do jobs at a very low cost compared to if you were to just go to like your local firm or something here um, locally. Um, However, I, I couldn't present all of the wonderful things of it if I don't say what some of the challenges are, too. One of the big challenges in working with freelancers is that you have to be prepared to be able to very, very specifically tell them what they need to do. Because if you don't have the technical skills in order to explain exactly what you need, you're probably going to be disappointed. Because men, what I have found in, in my experience with working with freelancers is that um, often they won't take the time to put into the whole um, concept and the whole design and the whole thinking of what would be best. And they won't take time really to know your organization either, which is also extremely important. So it can be a good situation, but you have to be prepared to have all of those kind of things very well defined before choosing somebody to do um, that sort of a job. So, um, but you can save a lot of money. So if you feel like you have enough information that you can give it to them, then uh, that's something to consider definitely. And, and I think that's probably the best website, but there's others out there. Now, I was really excited to hear um, Jesse Johnson told me recently that there's um, an Adventist website that is beginning to develop for um, developers and things like this as well. Now, I don't know um, how much that's gotten off the ground, and I tried to look it up and couldn't find it. So, um, but anyway, it, it, is, it would be wonderful to have something like that as well so that we would be able to have resources among Adventists to be able to do development. Having said that, I would also say that um, a lot of times when we try to do things um, on our own, we can't do things as well as we can when we embrace a whole world. And that's very true when it comes to development. And one reason why I am very much um, an advocate for like open source software and things like that, because I feel like when we restrict it only to our denomination, um, we just, there's no way we can compete with the resources of the whole world out there. And it's very clearly seen often in Adventist products, the fact that they don't go as far because we're so much more restricted in our resources. So it's just a little bit of my philosophy there, although I'm very, very supportive of Adventist developers and working with Adventists and ASI members too. I mean, to me, that's so important, but we have to also be ready to realize the limitations of what we can do compared to when you have a huge, huge community that can build a product and move it um, forward. Um, I think our time's just about up. I don't know if there's any other questions um, that you may have before we, we close. Yes? I have no much idea about technology, but how much will it cost to have a simple website? A simple website with those uh, companies that you know, like Better Living? That's, that's actually a really good question, and it really depends on what you need on the website. So for example, cost is directly related to whether you need e-commerce, whether you need to have um, 
like a video platform or whether you just it's a simple informational website where there's maybe not interactivity or a couple of forms or something like that. And so I would say that basically to, to develop websites, it can be you know, a, a large price range, but it can be anywhere from um, maybe 500 to 1,000 for something really simple, or it could be you know, up higher than that um, as well. Um, so it really depends um, on what you need, um, but it can be quite economical. Yeah. Yes? If I had a really hot article that I wanted the, the world to, to, to read, how, how, how could I post that on the internet? Well, what's really important for, and I'm not a search engine optimization guru, but what's really important if you want to get out your, um, your content is to optimize it for search words. So it's very important for you to use the keywords that you want people to type in um, when they um, search for it. So, and you can, you can, there's several services that you can use to analyze it and see, and you can even, Google AdWords will even do that for you as well. It'll analyze to see kind of where your ranking is and how high you are, and you can modify the keywords according to do that, and according to get, so you can get listed higher. But I will tell you that even though every single one of us would love to just write this perfect article that would just get rated up really high, there's another factor that's really, really important, and that's how many people are linking to you, how many people are sending to you. And so even though you might, you know, be here with a wonderful message if nobody else is saying this is a great message, it's going to affect your ranking and you're not going to be able to get as high. So it's, it used to be maybe keywords was kind of, the ultimate, but it's not so much that way anymore, so it's a little bit more complicated. What do you mean by how many people are linking? Well, like, you know, for example, if, if you would put a web, if you would put a link on your website to another website, like Amazing Facts or ASI or something like that, well, so you're linking to them, and that will actually affect their ratings to where they will they will get more listed higher because there's more people linking to them. So there's more websites that are saying, this is a good website, go there. Yes? You can link to anybody. I would say if you are starting to like embed logos or embed information from those webs, well, logos is probably not a problem if it's a simple logo and a link, but if you're actually embedding content from their websites, you should get permission for that. But if it's a simple link, you don't need permission. I think our time's up, and I think we need to stop. So thank you so much. We'll close with prayer. Appreciate each of you being here today. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us technology, and we just pray that you would help us to be able to use it to bring honor and glory to your name. We pray that you would give us tools, that you would help us to know how we can get the message out there. And we just pray that you would bless each of us here at the convention and that we would be inspired to finish the work as quickly as we can so that we can all go home. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.